Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? Today we are talking in 1988's Midnight Run, a Robert De Niro banger that seems to fly under the radar, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a bit. But before we do, once again, I want to remind everybody to continue to donate, support, and amplify uh, black, Asian, trans, any marginalized community, because a year has passed and clearly we have learned nothing and awful things continue to happen. So please continue to support those uh, those groups. We make jokes on this podcast and I don't want it to seem like we are making light of the situation, but I also want to give it its due before we move into the rest of the episode because things are very heavy. Uh, once again, we are looking at a tragedy in Minneapolis at the hands of the police. So please just continue to support and do what you can. But as we move out of that, you guys, what have you been watching? Jeff, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was telling Riley before you hopped on, Cy, uh, we were getting our floors redone in the kitchen. And so uh, in order to escape the fumes, uh, of which we could have opened a window for, <laughs> but we're told that that would not help it dry. So we kept them mostly closed and just stayed on the opposite end of the house for two days. So, uh, Is that carbon monoxide poisoning? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, just uh, some polyurethane and some good vibes. That's all you really need. <laughs> Clean um, so the anyways. sinuses. <laughs> right. Jeff so, listened to nothing but circles by Post Malone for 48 hours, <laughs> laying on the floor of his closet. It was actually White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyways, my, my wife and I, for basically a, a day and a half, like just sat in our bed and like watched movies and stuff on a laptop. So um, watched some good stuff. Um, we binged through season one of Broadchurch on Netflix, which I was telling Riley is actually really good. Is that the version like, with David Tennant or is it yes. the remade version? It's the David Tennant okay. version. Or maybe the David Tennant version is the remade version. I've who never knows? been entirely clear on that. Yeah, but it's got David Tennant and Olivia Coleman, who is the queen and the favorite. Um, they both did a great job. Really good show. Very compelling focuses a lot on what it would be like to have your child murdered Ooh, instead fun. of like the mystery. So I think I've decided that like, I am looking for mysteries that are a little bit lighter. Maybe no more kid murders for me. Yeah. Um, so put a the, pause on the kid murders, right? The other thing that we watched was, um, we watched bad trip on Netflix. Have you guys oh, seen that yet? Oh, the Eric Andre movie. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's, it's pretty well crafted. Obviously it's still very Eric Andre. There's a couple of scenes that are like a hundred percent like full throttle Eric Andre. Um, but it was really good. I think it is, um, I really want to see him get to do like, it's not necessarily even new stuff, but I'm glad to see him get like big budget stuff mm -hmm. and do so. It's a little more over the top like that. So, um, super fun watch. Um, Tiffany Haddish is also in it. Um, and she's also great. So, and um, uh, Lil Rel, right? No, Rel too. Yep. Yep. Um, so that was really good. And then um, we rewatched a couple of things. I'm trying to remember what else we watched next. Rewatched Ready or Not, which I have talked about a ton on this podcast, so I don't need to redo it again. But Ready or Not is the hide and seek uh, murder mystery type thing, which is basically like Knives Out if it was incredibly gory. Um, so uh, super out there. That's one of my one of my favorite movies and one of my wife's favorite movies as well. Awesome. Riley, what about you? Uh, not much. Uh, Caitlin and I have started Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, it's really good. Um, we just haven't had a lot of time lately to yeah. sit down and binge a lot of it. Um, 
been watching the new My Hero. Yeah. Um, which I just, man, man, do I wish there were like five more episodes out at a time. Yep. It's so going now. Week to now week. it's like gotten to the point where it's like inching along. Yeah. Week um, to week is tough. Yeah. But it's good. Um, oh, and we've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I don't think any of us have actually talked about it, but I actually, I, I really enjoyed the show. Um, episode, whatever number this one was last Friday, um, really kind of ramped things up. That's what I heard. I, yeah. Um, it's, it's a really good show. Um, I think it kind of, for people that watched WandaVision and are just kind of like, this is kind of meh because it didn't have enough action or anything. This is definitely we, something you should give a, a, a watch. Um, it definitely goes back to more of the um, Captain America Winter Soldier style. It's more of a Marvel like espionage type mm-hmm. show. Um, yeah, it's been really good. And then Ty, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I also watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah, I bet you sure did. <laughs> <sighs> so I watched Godzilla vs. Kong. God, no, but I really did. I didn't know if you were done. I did the cadence of a bit, but it was serious. Oh. Movie stunk. <laughs> Just it made me sad. I'm a lifelong Godzilla fan and have always had a deep attachment to the series and really as I've gotten older appreciated what the series means and what it has to say, you know, like being a series that was born basically as a commentary on America's nuclear attacks on Japan. Like learning that and growing up and you know, really being able to understand the context around all these Godzilla movies and what they mean. And all I can think is, boy, I sure wish people that made the modern movies did that because it's just, everybody's like, well, what'd you expect? It's big monsters fighting. Well, it, the series has always been so much more than that. And we we got a modern Godzilla masterpiece with Shin Godzilla that does those same things. Like, we know a modern movie can do this. It's frustrating, to say the very least. I just don't think I was looking for any of that. I think I, I think I came in with low expectations. I, mean, I didn't really I, expect them to do anything. I certainly didn't expect it from them, but it still hurts to see and just see how far off the track they've gone with it. And uh, how did you how did you compare it, both of you guys? How would you compare it to like either Skull Island or King of the Monsters? Skull Island's probably the better of the bunch. Yeah, well, it's Skull um, Island I I'd genuinely say, really enjoy. I'd say it comes down to personal preference on King of the Monsters mm-hmm. versus this. And I actually like King of the Monsters more. Uh, I After I watched Godzilla vs. Kong, I also watched uh, King of the Monsters. And, you know, everybody, it's always the, well, it's big monsters fighting. The fights, like, a lot of them look cool in Godzilla vs. Kong, but not nearly as, Im- as impressive as the stuff in King of the Monsters. And both the, like, I felt like the human storyline was even worse in Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah, I mean, they're both bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes down to. I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen Godzilla vs. Kong yet. I will, I'll visit it at some point. I'm actually, like, halfway through Skull Island. Um, so I wanted to, like... You know what I mean? I wanted to have seen, not that I had to have seen Skull Island to understand <laughs> Godzilla vs. Kong, yeah. but I wanted, monster? you know what I mean? I wanted to see all the most recent stuff. Um, King of the Monsters, I actually like, it's like, I loved 50% of the movie. 
right? Yeah. So like all well, the I think that's the exact split of human storyline and monster scenes. Right. Oh, what a coincidence! So that's weird. <laughs> it's, it's once Kyle Chandler and Millie yeah. Bobby Brown get involved, it's just. I have yeah. seen people on Twitter always make fun of King of the Monsters and the, especially the line of Kyle Chandler. It's like Godzilla's out there killing people, and we don't know why. That's Godzilla vs Kong. <laughs> that's in Godzilla vs Kong. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. It's like ten lines. <laughs> I thought it was my bad. I, don't know I thought how it was. They brought, I don't know how they convinced him to get come on to that movie. Dude, that Friday Night Lights money is running dry. <laughs> I guess, man. Oh, speaking of uh, shows about high school, I've also been off and on watching One Tree Hill as my wife rewatches it, and I had only seen some later episodes in college while Riley had gotten really into it. This show's insane. Like, this, oh, yeah. this show should not exist. <laughs> They clearly, like, it feels like it was just approached a week at a time. And oh, yeah, they had no idea where they were going. It, they, it stops being model. grounded in reality in season three, and then it's like a fever dream of high school yeah, it's drama. Like, it's like the, all the writers got in the room, and they just kept going, yes, and, yes, <laughs> and. I've heard, um, I've heard Riverdale is very much like that, too, where it just kind of loses its shit. I, I might watch really Riverdale wild. then, because I yeah. I cannot, like, I still keep, not even keep up the front, but, like, in my mind, it's like, yes, One Tree Hill, that's not a show for me, and then Catherine has it on, and she falls asleep, and I continue watching, like, two more hours of it. <laughs> it's hard to put down. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand how they ever tried to write a redemption arc for Dan Scott, but whatever. I mean, Frieza got a redemption arc, so what? <laughs> sure. Uh, we have got, to, like, there has to be such a small Venn diagram of our fans who consistently, like, know everything that we're talking about. Friend of the show, so, Brendan, is a huge One Tree Hill fan. Oh, I did Of Debates on Tap fame. Well, is this the podcast for you, Brendan? <laughs> <laughs> Taylor made just for your interests. <laughs> I also, so to move on, keep things moving, I also watched The Courier with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, we went to the theaters for that one, which it's, uh, it's a true story, a Cold War story. Uh, spy thriller, he's a normal guy, who get, like a businessman who gets pulled into espionage. And the first two-thirds are like really fun. You're watching just like a ripping along spy movie. And then in the final third, you're reminded very starkly that this is grounded in reality, and uh, the KGB is involved in this movie, and it gets a very bleak like incredibly bleak for the final third of the movie. And you're like, God, like the whiplash is unbelievable. But I, I, I still like really the... enjoyed it. I think it's very good. Like I really, really liked it and it's very well put together. But that, that reminder that this is not a happy story <laughs> hits you hard. I think a third act turn to the bleak is the exact wrong way to do it. Like if you're going to do a turn, like it has to be like, Last like start bleak and then like get hopeful. Like you can't have it be like fun, like jazzy spy thriller. And then it's like, by the way, we'll see. Life that's is that's worked for painful. me. That's worked for me before with a uh, police story uh, from Jackie Chan. Uh, at like the first half, two thirds of that movie are really fun, like fun kung fu, uh, like crime story, and then it turns into a hardcore revenge thriller that's like very dark and heavy. <laughs> And I really liked it there, but in this movie, the whiplash hits you even harder because it's real life. Mm. 
and uh, the KGB were not like super cool dudes to hang out with. And then also, <laughs> along with Riley, I've been watching the new season of My Hero, which buckle up, my friend. It's I can't wait. We're heading in a great direction with it. And then uh, I'm fully caught up on the manga for Jujutsu Kaisen, so I started watching that, and it's phenomenal. It's very, very good. And that would actually be the series I think I would recommend to you, Jeff, because I think you would enjoy that one a lot. What's the name of the series again? Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. It's on HBO mm-hmm. Max. And then, of course... Uh, oh, I thought it was only on Crunchyroll. Uh, no, it's getting a weekly release on HBO Max because oh, really? they, they have a Crunchyroll collection on there. But it's it's awesome. I'm not, like, super worried about the week-at-a-time thing since I'm caught up on the manga and, like, know how the story's going and just want to see it animated. Uh, and I guess before we get started, uh, one thing I haven't been watching uh, is the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> because i'm gonna fist fight i'm gonna go off king i am going to hold a seance so that i can speak to julian sinclair smith founder of the sinclair broadcasting group so we can fist fight because i am so furious about this awful awful tv deal that the kansas city royals have gotten themselves into where at minimum 50 percent of their entire fan base within kansas city cannot watch the games it's one of the dumbest things in the world the mlb like there are all these talks about wanting to grow the game and appeal to a younger audience. Yeah, great work. Like, fantastic job not letting half of your fan base, regardless of age, watch your team. A team that is, like, well-poised to make an October baseball run this year. Like, this is the best Royals team we've had in years. And nobody can watch. It's dumb as hell. And Bally Sports stinks. Sinclair Broadcasting Group stinks. And they've they've even said, yeah, due to negotiations... We won't have a streaming option until 2022 at least. Like, are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Just awful. Can't wait to see the prices on the on that streaming option. Yeah, I'm sure it will be very reasonable <laughs> and affordable. If there's one thing Major League Baseball knows, it's how to make things accessible to all its fans. God, I'm just, I'm furious. Let's talk about a really fun movie. How about that? Let's... <laughs> Let's bring the nose up a bit. Cue the saxophone. That's my electric that guitar a, saxophone. I was going to say, that can't be your saxophone. Let me, let me hear your saxophone. I used to play saxophone for a few years. So. Can, I hear, can I hear your saxophone? <laughs> How does that? It the second one, the second noise I think actually works. You gotta do the wide. That's just Baker Street. <laughs> oh. All right, you guys want to talk about Midnight Run? Let's do it. Jeff, can you run us through the Rotten Tomatoes info? I can. Uh, it has a 94% on the tomato meter, 87% on the audience score. That's very high. That might be yeah. one of the highest movies I've ever seen on Rotten Tomatoes. I think so. Gotta be. Uh, it was released. That's not right. That's the streaming date it was released. It's not released. 2015. Um, 1988, I think. They use the same technology right? as the Irishman. <laughs> uh, yeah, released, released in 1988. Box office gross of $36 million, um, Produced by Universal Pictures. Um, starring uh, both Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. 
Um, the basic premise of this movie is uh, Eddie Moscone, which is Joe uh, Pantoliano, hires tight-lipped bounty hunter Jack Walsh, Robert De Niro, to locate a mob accountant named the Duke and bring him to L.A. Eddie tells Jack that the job will be simple or a midnight run. But when Jack finds the Duke, the FBI and the mob are anxious to get their hands on him. In a cross-country chase, Jack must evade the authorities, hide from the mob, and prevent the Duke's erratic personality from driving him mad. <laughs> um, we don't have a ton of rotten reviews on this one. There's that just not that many. Me. There's really only three. Uh, there are a couple people that just don't like De Niro, basically. Uh, this could have been... This is Molly Haskell from Vogue. This could have been engaging fluff, except De Niro's acting has grown heavy as Jake LaMotta. That review's from February 27, 2020. Wait, is Jake this who? Is Jake LaMotta, when he plays him in Raging Bull. Oh, okay, okay. The... I was like, I was like, did she watch a different movie? Like, his acting as this? <laughs> this movie wasn't fun at all. He drove a cab <laughs> around and killed people. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like... When the Joker shot him in the face. <laughs> That's not how I would run a casino at all. <laughs> I didn't see any good fellas in this movie. <laughs> Those guys weren't good at all. More, more like bad fellas. Um, ben Yagoda from Philadelphia Daily News said, De Niro is probably the most intense and idiosyncratic actor of his generation. Midnight, ba- Midnight Run may be the most conventional movie I've ever seen. Which, I mean... That's not wrong. But it's like you it take is. the formula and you do it pitch perfectly. Yeah, I will. this movie does have a formula. I definitely yeah. think we can get into that when we, when we talk about it further. But it's not... It doesn't do anything surprising, but it does it very well. Yeah, All absolutely. right. Uh, we don't really have many other rotten reviews. Do we usually... Do, is there anything else we want to run through before we get into what this movie did well? I don't believe so. I think we can go ahead and jump into what it does well. All right. Um... Well, no surprise. Uh, I loved this movie. Um, same. This was also this is same. brand new. This is brand new for all three of us, right? Yes. None of us had ever seen this yes. before. So I started watching this because I have uh, a not so secret list of basically Dennis Farina movies that I have been working through. That's the but list I had all forgotten. Be watching. I had forgotten that that's why this was on my list of things to watch. So like, I started watching and I was like, "Oh, Dennis Farina's in this movie." <laughs> <laughs> Like, forgetting that was the entire premise of why I put it in my uh, queue in the first place. But listen to this Listen to this cast. This cast is Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin, Yafit Koto, our dude from, from, from Alien and other things as well, but was great in this movie. Uh, John Ashton, uh, Dennis Farina, Joe Pantoliano, which you may not recognize him he's from, from... The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in The Matrix, I was going to say. He's got the steak people, line. Mm-hmm, might recognize him from... Um, I already said no, that's Robert Pattinson. Tyler. <laughs> that's the line. So I mean, it's it's a great cast. It's a lot of really good people. Um, even and it's got a a score by Danny Elfman, um, which I think is a its own character. Which is, yeah, it movie. is an insane score. This score, I looked it up. Um, this score, the score is going to come up later, but not. For the there's a whole thing that I have to break down later. <laughs> so I think I think this was probably one of his biggest early scores. Was he still he in Boingo done, Boingo at the time? I think he had just gotten done with Boingo Boingo, but he did Beetlejuice just before this. So oh, man, Beetlejuice and Midnight Run, Beetlejuice Midnight Run, Big Top Pee Wee in the same year. You so the, 
It's really interesting that Beetlejuice came out before because just like if you not knowing what years they came out, if you had showed me or had me listen to bits of this score and bits of Beetlejuice score, I would have said this came first just because it's mm-hmm. so it's it's your like archetypal movie score. Whereas Beetlejuice mm-hmm. is so much more unique and has a very distinct voice to it. Right. A lot of marimba mm-hmm. in the Beetlejuice score. Very next year, he does the Batman soundtrack. Oh, man, and what? Wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Wait, yes. No, that's, that's correct. That's the animated series. No, that's the same, that's the same, the same theme. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> so anyways, Danny Elfman did this score. Um I don't know where I was going with that. He, he also, also did, did Oingo Boingo, which we said before, but I wanted to say Oingo Boingo again. We're just going to keep running through some and then Danny Elfman stuff. before this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, 19, 1989, he does Batman. 1990, he does Nightbreed, Dick Tracy, he did Dark Nightbreed? Man. Yeah. Whoa. And Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Have you guys seen Nightbreed? Mm-hmm. No. I've heard you talk about it before. Nightbreed is insane. And there's like... Nightbreed is the Snyder Cut before there was the Snyder Cut because there was a theatrical release and then there's like an there's an eight hour cut or something out there, but then there was like an extended like three and a half hour cut that was released. Wait, David Cronenberg acts in Nightbreed? Yes, yes he does. Whoa. And it's uh Clive Barker Directed joint. by Yeah, I was gonna say it's a Clive Barker, okay. It's oh, I have to watch this. It's weird, but it's so fun. I love Nightbreed. <laughs> Hit, hit me else. This is welcome to the Danny Elfman podcast. Yeah, no kidding. Kansas City's most Danny Elfman podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Danny Elfman do Spider Man? He did the Raimi trilogy. Yeah, some other. Ba- we'll just run through a couple of bangers that he's done. He did um, all the ones we mentioned so far: Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Dead Presidents, uh, the very first Mission Impossible. Holy shit! I did not amazing. realize that one. Wow. Mars Attacks, Men in Black, Mars Flubber, is great. Ah, Goodwill Flubber. Hunting, A Simple Plan, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes, Spider Man, Men in Black Two, Red Dragon, Chicago, Hulk. It's a shame Red Dragon is ah, not yes, the better the OG of those Hulk. Movies. Right. Big Fish, Spider Man Two, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Corpse Bride, Nacho Libre, Charlotte's Web. Meet the Robinsons, The Kingdom. Isn't that the uh, King Arthur? That's Kingdom cut? of Heaven, I thought. Oh, Kingdom of Heaven. Ah, uh, you're right, you're right, you're right, okay. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. Notorious, Terminator Salvation. Nine, uh, which is that, like, animated <laughs> oh, 2009 movie. Oh, trust me, Riley and I are very familiar. We attempted <laughs> to rent wolf- it once and had a damaged <laughs> disc and couldn't watch it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Wolfman, Alice in Wonderland... The next three days, real steel. Oh man, oh, hell yeah! That's a future episode. Absolutely. S- Scrooged, Dark Shadows, Men in Black Three, Frank and Weenie, Silver Linings Playbook, Hitchcock, Promised Land, Oz the Great and Powerful, American Hustle, uh, Big Eyes, The End of Tour, Fifty Shades of Grey, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Hold on, Goosebumps. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh huh. <laughs> so they're just. They're violating each other, and you got like a Danny Elfman whimsical flute going. Oh, no, would yeah, you like you to know what? A, you get a sax riff. The two Elfman tracks, Anna and Christian, pretty tame. Yeah. 
The next one, did that hurt? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Christ. Um, we'll keep going. Uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass, The Girl on the Train, Fifty Shades Darker, keeps going. Fifty Shades Freed, uh, Justice League, Which the original, I, guess, I think the original. Oh, yeah, Junkie XL did, uh, did the Snyder Cut, who Junkie XL is actually really great, but I digress. Uh, the Grinch, Dumbo, Men in Black International, Doolittle, The Woman in the Window, and he's working on the upcoming Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of That's Madness. right. And you know why? You know why big brain time. Sam Raimi. Yes, because they're that's they they're throwing the they're throwing the misdirection about the new Spider-Man movie. And that's where we're going to have a scene of Tobey Maguire and we are going to get the Spider the Raimi Spider-Man theme in that. <laughs> Calling it now. That's why we have Danny Elfman. Possibly. All right, I so can't wait this to do this the bit again when we, do, uh, when we do Real Steel and we do the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> Every week we just list Jeff off Jeff reads Danny, Danny Elfman. Elfman's film credits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I digress. What, what did you guys like about Midnight Run? Dialogue. First and foremost, it's dialogue. Oh, yeah. this, this is some of the most fun dialogue you can have in a movie. It's like almost... It's like almost meet the parents, De Niro. Yeah, yeah, like De Niro. It's very witty. It's punchy. Like there's, there's lots of like one-liners and zings. Other people are like also playing off De Niro too. Like there's a lot of like just scene chewing. You know what I yeah. mean with the different people going on. That and that kind of leads me into another point. Can you guys name another movie where De Niro has had this much fun, like visibly on screen? Um, besides Meet the Parents? Yeah, and, like, Meet the, Meet the Parents is the only other one I can think of. He's done some stuff recently that I haven't seen, mm. like Bad Grandpa. Oh, yeah. Or, like, you know, stuff like that that I could maybe see him having fun. But he doesn't He doesn't do this type of movie very often. Mm-hmm. Is like this he's his almost... used cars? Used cars is the Kurt Russell vehicle that was him breaking his Disney good boy image. Got it. There we go. <laughs> You, I, I was like, I don't understand I that you reference. Guys aren't like as like reverent <laughs> of Kurt Russell as I am. I'd say if you're pulling out the like D level deepness of Kurt Russell, I'm not going to understand it. Unfortunately, I, we should. I would say we should do a used cars episode, but it would have to come with like the caveat that it's incredibly problematic now. Uh oh. But mm. I mean, it was, and it did that like with a purpose because it was trying to break his Disney image. Got it. Welcome back to the used cars cast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the, this is just, the movie is fun. Like this is one of my notes is this is dudes rock the movie. Like it's just, (laughs) the dialogue is great. Everybody plays off of each other so well. And it's, it's an adventure. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's your, it's your, it's your, Two buddy adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we really should have said that this is just planes, trains, and automobiles with De Niro instead of John Candy and Steve Martin. The compare, yeah. I thought you were going to say instead of the comparison you gave well, me, which I took the exact <laughs> wrong things. So, from. We should talk about that. We should. Well, we're talking about that in the next section. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I was going to say planes, trains, and automobiles, but I mean, that's even they even go down the same route of transportation yeah i mean plane train bus car right 
and even a back of a truck. I'm thinking about it. Oh yeah, this. It's also just like this movie is Blues Brothers too. Yeah, because yeah. you're just being chased by multiple parties. Yeah, I will say another device this movie does, which I'm a huge fan of, which is that it's not uh, a, it's not a hero versus an antagonist or like a group of heroes versus a group of antagonists. There's like three or four layers. It's like right? all Duder antagonists, and then Dennis right. Farina is your main antagonist. Right, right. So you've got you know them with the bounty, the other bounty hunter. You've got him with his uh, bail bondsman that he's trying to get paid with. You've got the FBI that's complicating things. You you've the, got the, the the bail bondsman that's also working for the mob. Right. And then you even have like the mob underlings who are like fucking up the big mob plan. Yeah. You know what I mean? The mob guys who are just the Italian or the Brooklyn TikTok guy. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> hey, come on! Hey, that's that De Niro guy. <laughs> Not even naming him by character, just forgets their lines and calls him De Niro. Oh man, there's some decent stunt work in this movie too. Mm-hmm. I I wasn't really expecting that, but you have like you have big set pieces where cars crash, things crash, people fall out of stuff, helicopters crash, like, and it all looks incredibly good. And like the the way that it only looks good if you're doing stunt work. Mm-hmm. Do you know that De Niro really punches uh, John Ashton during the fight scene on the train? Really? Yeah, the other bounty hunter. He like actually punches him because <laughs> he was just getting into it so much. <laughs> Also, I loved that running gag. The the Hey Marvin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Where Marty McFly's him. Yeah. God. Yeah, I like... I mean, a good device that happens in any of these movies is the, the double cross or, like, people have to work together and they turn on each other. Like, that happens constantly with all mm-hmm. these people, right? You have the bail bondsman who crosses De Niro by giving it to the other... Uh, bounty hunter you have the bounty hunter and De Niro who are working together and then they turn on each other in order to like steal each other's bounty you have Charles Grodin who's working with De Niro and they're like they're working together but at any chance they can to try to like cut bait and like leave without <laughs> yeah. the other one they do that too so it just, there's just a lot of like moving pieces in this which is nice because as formulaic as you could say it is like there are a lot of pieces where they they choose to like change it up and go a different direction or you know what I mean, bring in stuff, other stuff. And I think like beyond, beyond all the other stuff and beyond De Niro, uh, the other performances, we talked about it when we were just talking about the cast, uh, before starting the review, but the other performances are all really great with, uh, specifically Yafit Koto and, uh, Dennis Farina. I think they add just an extra, cause their performances aren't like, they aren't linchpins of the movie, but they're, they're just so really good. great. Characters. They add so much more depth to yeah. it. Right. Like Farina is just, he's, oh, it's so fun to watch him. Cause this is pure, like scene chewing Farina, mm-hmm. but also give me this movie with Farina being the bounty hunter. Also. Yes. I would love that. <laughs> give me, it's, it's like a uh, nutty professor setup, and, it's just all, uh, Dennis it's all Dennis Farina's with various stages of facial hair. 
A farina multiplicity. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just a bunch of dudes from Chicago yelling at each other. <laughs> Just like the one guy who puts G De Niro on everything. Oh, like, yeah. It doesn't matter, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, man. What else did you guys like about this one? Um, the the back and forth between Walsh and uh, Alonzo, uh, Yafit Koto and De Niro... Like, their whole back mm-hmm. and forth is so good because there's such, like, they don't like each other, but there's such a healthy respect for each other, like, throughout this whole thing. Like, it's the true, like, rivalry that you get. Right. Mm-hmm. All the scenes with the sunglasses as this, like, poker chip that they're essentially passing back and forth. Or the, uh, yeah, because not bargaining chip, but this whole, the motif with the sunglasses is hilarious throughout all of mm-hmm. it. The introduction of uh, Marvin Dorfler just pounding beers and getting ribs all over a hotel bed. <laughs> um, the, another role that we haven't totally talked about yet is uh, Joe Pantoliano's Joe yeah, role. Um, In the life coach I, role. Yeah, I loved... So he was Eddie Moscone. He's the bail bondsman. I loved that portrayal. Um, like... Nothing, I don't know. There's there's no, I have no notes, right? I would not have changed yeah. his performance one bit. His character Perfect. is essentially a bit that was spawned at my bachelor party of the the Brooklyn life coach just giving you terrible yeah, life advice as he's ripping is, things. This is just his prequel, is what yeah. this was. Like, you're introduced to him, and he's just drinking antacids straight out of the bottle, and he's bald on top with a weak comb over and just hair, like, flowing down out the back. He's great. He's so great. Oh, I feel like this is like this is the Joey Pantoliano role. What are his what's what's what are his other big roles? I mean, The Matrix is the other, other than big the, one. yeah, other than The Matrix. Uh, let's see. He was in Memento. He's oh, the yeah. the cop in Memento. He was in both Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two. Oh, that's right. He, I think he actually came back for the new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in Bad Boys for Life, too. I'm just looking through his DB right now. Oh, he was in The Sopranos, uh, which I've never watched, but... Which is... Right? Has have any of us watched that? None of us, I believe. I keep meaning to get into it. I feel like uh, I feel like that's something we would all like. Should we pivot? Just as a podcast? We keep pivoting. The Sopranos we add, add we have to pick a lane. <laughs> slash <laughs> Sopranos podcast. Yeah, slash Sopranos. So we've got movies slash... Basically, just horror movies slash anime slash hating Sinclair Broadcast Group slash MotoGP. MotoGP. We haven't touched on Tyler's newfound love of MotoGP. That's right. I have also been watching MotoGP, and it's great. Let's let's come back to that. We we might have too many rabbit trails in this one. We did talk about Danny Elfman for about seven minutes so far. Oh, you have to release this one. It's just podcast episode. He was also in Larry the Cable Guy Health Inspector. Uh, a movie oh, we've all okay. definitely watched. Oh, yeah. yes. That's, of course. That's a 10-timer for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and Any... move in into our next segment of things that don't work as... Oh, actually, before we do, because I'm it might come up later in an award, but something I do want to touch on is the like final scene with uh, the whole airport exchange with the discs, everything like that, 
once he starts working with the app at Kodo is pitch perfect. It's so good. Yeah, where yeah, where he's back to being a cop and mm-hmm. All right, so now let's move on. And now it's finally time to address what happened with me in this movie. In things that didn't work so well or things we didn't like about this movie. So I went into this movie, I had somehow gotten it in my head that this was basically going to be the tone of a Michael Mann flick. I, the name did that for me. De Niro being in it did that for me. And then I got John Landis. <laughs> well, I gave you, when I gave this recommendation, because I watched this movie early and then I recommended it and then we watched it over the weekend. We did the episode on it. So I had said it's a combination of Ghostbusters and Goodfellas. And what I meant by that was it's a light, fun movie about a group of guys and De Niro's in it. <laughs> and Tyler was like, this is going to be a crime thriller. I was like, yeah, this is a crime thriller <laughs> with maybe supernatural elements because of that Ghostbusters <laughs> piece. <laughs> and then, so I'm, I'm going into this movie with that expectation. And then that Danny Elfman score hits and I was <laughs> floored. I was like... I was so confused for the first 10 minutes of this movie because I was like, what is happening? (laughs) What is their tone? Like there's so much tonal inconsistency when really it was just the tone I expected and the tone the movie actually was. It was, and it was right about the time that De Niro like has the badge. Uh, He has Yafit Koto's badge that he stole and to nobody, he just whips around and flashes it as he's walking down the street. I'm like, Oh, I see what we're doing here. I see what this movie is. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so what you have, what's wrong with this movie is not even necessarily something that's wrong with yeah. this movie. It's just that you went in with the wrong expectations. A, yeah, it was my bad experience with the start of this movie and me realizing how dumb I was. <laughs> and then getting caught up on how Robert De Niro makes his face. Oh, yeah. God, Robert De Niro makes so many faces. And I'm sitting there watching this. And I just keep making the faces Robert De Niro is making. <laughs> Very good bit for an audio medium. <laughs> we're all making. Verbal meme. We are making the faces. <laughs> we're all just sitting silently making De Niro faces at each other. Play along at home. <laughs> Make your own De Niro face. <laughs> Send us a picture of your best De Niro face. Actually, that, that's, that we should do that. Yeah, that's a I real think that's bit great. that we will do. Um, something that I don't think it's something wrong with this movie, but it's something that I didn't like at first that I ended up really liking. So it's, I'm not using this. I have so much nitpicky stuff that I'll, I'll help pass okay. this category with. So I think at the beginning of the movie, I didn't get who the Duke was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Like I, I knew he was the person who embezzled the money, but I didn't understand who his character was supposed to be because Charles Grodin was playing it so straight. And I was like, I really thought this would be like, like kooky neurotic because they always say like it's like this neurotic guy mm-hmm. who like can't fly like that's what i was expecting is like it to be like bigger you know like odd couple where they're like both really big and kind of crazy and i i didn't and, like those intro scenes with him i think those are right, the lowest uh, yeah, points he, of the movie yeah i yeah. really i was like man i love this movie but he is not landing for me mm-hmm. right and i think the i think as the movie progresses it works also he comes out of his shell a little bit and like you know, plays against him and, and stuff like that. Well, but it's when he it, steals the plane that this all really comes together. Mm-hmm. That you understand that he's not actually this neurotic person and yep. he really is a criminal. And I kind of wish they would have maybe done that earlier. Like, yeah, because his, 
his character doesn't really come to life until until that happens. You're totally right. Nitpicky things I had about this movie. They they get on the plane, and De Niro just pulls out a stethoscope. <laughs> I wonder that what? too. No, that's the. It that's was a how... stethoscope. I thought, but didn't other people have them too? I thought they were like headphones. I thought it was separate from the chair. Maybe it was. Well, maybe it was just the headphones. Maybe I just like, don't understand eighties flight, or, but I, you know, air travel. I was like, "What is happening here?" Like I thought it was a stethoscope. Um, that was for sure the movie prop, though. Yeah. No. Okay. If you this is if you Google eighties flight headphones, you'll see these like stethoscope looking. Okay. They're headphones. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, that that works. Uh, the melody that Mardukas is singing, "99 Bottles of Beer on the Wall." Yes. Is oh yeah. Wow. Is like absolutely like hurt my brain to process him singing it this way. <laughs> no one has ever sung it that way yeah. ever. Uh, our famous Kansas City helicopter rentals. Did you catch that mm-hmm. bit of dialogue? Uh-uh. The the helicopter that chases them down. Um, and I was watching with subtitles on, which might be how I caught this. And this isn't oh. even nitpicky. It's just like strange. Um, but the helicopter that chases him down that crashes into the cliff, uh, he, he says, like, it won't trace back to us. We rented it out of a place out of Kansas City. And it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm unaware of this. Well, I guess with Kansas City's mob connections. Oh, no, you can, I mean, you can, you can rent helicopters. Yeah, but like City. with mounted guns. Oh, no, that's true. <laughs> Loaded. Yeah. Um, Do you want the gun version or the no gun version? <laughs> well, I'm going to fly over the plaza, so I'm okay without the gun version. <laughs> De Niro puts an ungodly amount of sugar into his coffee. Oh, yeah, we had noticed that too. Dude takes the thing and it's just a full like three holds count. it upside down. Also, his character doesn't seem like the kind of person that would put that much sugar no. in their coffee. Seems like a black coffee kind of guy. Also, this movie sets a bad example uh, because it will make <laughs> you want cigarettes. <laughs> like, that is true. This, will, this movie will make you want to smoke 10 cigarettes at a time. I agree with that. And... Uh, Use anyone else's name except for Alonzo. Like, just make up a name. You have an FBI badge. <laughs> Don't continue using Alonzo's name. That's going to keep them coming after you. I especially like when he tries to go to, like, rent the car, and he says Jack Walsh. Like, he says Alonzo, and then corrects himself and says Jack Walsh. And they're like, well, your badge doesn't say Jack Walsh. Yeah. Not, it's, that's not a nitpick. That was, like, a cast you know that's a choice but like i was just i thought that was interesting and then so my last thing is was the thousand dollar bill a thing that's a real thing i want to say that it was yeah okay yeah because i like he opens up the thing like the leg wallet which is great that's a great bit monopoly money yeah (laughs) and he's just got thousand dollar bills in there and i'm like "Mm, that's a strange thing but also then like pulled together when he asks the guy for change for a thousand, like that's fantastic. <laughs> oh man. I, I can't really come up with much else. Yeah. I, I... All right. Should we get into standout, standout scene? Standout let down. This is a tough, 
Tough choice. I think I'm going to have to go with the counterfeit 20 scene. Oh, uh, yeah. Because that's like, that's your like crystallization of the moment that Mardukas is like, you get, he is the Duke. He is, he knows what he's doing. He's not just this bumbling guy. By the way, when I was talking in the text group about a con that I think would actually maybe work, that's the con Ooh, I was talking about. I, I think it would. I think you could totally do it. I think if you took like three of them, I think you could totally get away Uh-oh. stealing 60 to $80 from roughly any business. No, I'm still here. Can you still hear me? Okay, you, everybody froze. But we're good. Yeah, you could you could get a little bit of money that way. I, I think you top out at 120 Yeah. Before they're like, I think you're just stealing money. <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's percentage wise. It's however many twenties they have. There's a, there's a high bar that you can hit and not feel like, not make them think you're stealing. They give you ten twenties. You can probably get six out of there. I think that's true. I think it also depends on the age of the cashier and whether or not they have seen Midnight Run. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not giving you our money. We, uh, you're doing a midnight run. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. What, I don't know what you mean. I've never seen that. Oh, you mean and the crime like, thriller? <laughs> what I've do you mean you've never seen that? 1988 <laughs> Robert De Niro picture. <laughs> oh, the Danny Elfman movie? I've never seen that one. <laughs> well, you know what? Danny Elfman has also done. <laughs> <laughs> do you know he did Nightbreed? Oh, oh, you've never seen Nightbreed. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> Let me go plot point by plot point of the eight-hour cut of Nightbreed, and then they're just going to shuffle you out the door with the entire cash register. <laughs> it's foolproof. I think that's a great scene to pick, yes. um, is the, the counterfeit scene. Um, I I have such a soft spot for both Farina and Joe Pentagliano. I'm trying to think of scenes that they're in. I really like Dennis Farina with his lawyer. Or like his lawyers like don't do it, and oh, yeah. he's like Bookman tell, from Seinfeld. Yeah, he's telling him to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> that way he think uh, tells scene... him to have a cream soda. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. That sequence where he's trying to convince his lawyer not to worry, and the lawyer just never shows up again is great. Like <laughs> the lawyer's just being like, I don't know if this is a good idea, and he's like, fuck off, Sydney. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I also I meant to I... talk about this earlier. Sorry, I just wanted to like drop this in here. Um, I love that this, an honorable mention is just the inclusion of this is the last job that I'm out trope. Always a good one. Oh, yeah. I'll pass it back over to you now, though, Riley. Um, I was going to go with the counterfeit one, um, but instead I'll go with the uh, train car scene um, with them kind of, you know, their, their friendship starting to blossom there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Duke, you know, there's like, he's all, or Robert De Niro's all pissed off. And the Duke goes, hey, Jack, you're a fucking animal. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes into the whole bit about the chickens back in the town. Like, that's great dialogue. Yeah. Let I also down. love when he's just oh. having the full conversation with himself. Like, he's just giving himself Jack's replies. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic just all around like there are so many good scenes to pick from in this so jeff start us off with your letdown scene man this is this is tough i have to say it's got to be the early scenes with with groden just kind of dead fish that's exactly the note that i wrote down in my notes is early scenes when they're introducing mardukas yeah yeah 
I, I mean, it, I think, it, like it said, it the movie ends up being fine and overcomes those or reveals who he really is or whatever it might be. So it's not really a problem. But I, I did have that one thing where in the first 20 minutes of the movie, you're like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'll watch something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that was partly where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then it, then it takes off and it gets really good. And that was the point where, like, you, I had gotten going with it. And I was in those 20 minutes when you texted the group seeing if we could record on Monday night instead of Sunday. And I almost turned it off to put something else on and just kind of put it off. I was like, I'm going to pass on this for right now. But then you get through those scenes and this movie just rips along. Yeah. Yeah. Riley, what about you? Uh, just to pick something different, I'm going to go with um, them stopping at his ex-wife and daughter's mm-hmm. house. Um, I the thought scene about just that. Didn't Huh? I thought about that, but it was actually like kind of moving. I I don't know. I, I I think the movie would have been just as good without it. That's probably fair. That I will say that that felt very formula to me. You know what I mean? Like because then he has the watch and like his wife gave him the watch and like then Jimmy Serrano is like, oh, did you know she's like with another cop now? You know what I mean? Like so it, it kind of becomes part of his character. You know, where you would, I feel like it would be hard to avoid it and never show that and reference it all the time. But I agree with you. I think it's, it's not a, it's not an incredibly compelling part of the movie for sure. It felt very formulaic for sure. Fantastic. Let's go ahead and move into our Jeremy Gleason award. I, I, I think you can put it all across the board. I, it's Farina, right? Farina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's God, um, he's just so good. Honorable mention, obviously, the Joey Pants, but yeah. I think he's actually in it the right amount. Um, but Farina, I think, would have been more fun to have him in it more often. Yeah, and I think you could have used even more Yafit Koto even, but Farina for sure takes it. Yeah. All right. Pour one out. Yeah. God, yeah, we did just lose him. Um. Let's go ahead and move into... Let's wrap up, and let's give our Who the Hell is This For and ratings. So, Riley, you can start us off. Um, well, we touched on it earlier, but cause I, since I was going to pick this anyway, I'm going to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I think that's a great pick. Yeah. Jeff, your pick. Um, man, I was really... I don't know. I was really struggling with this. Um, probably, this feels like a cheat out. It probably picked Meet the Parents just to see like another fun De Niro, but I'll have some capers in my other picks. All right. My first pick, I'm going to go with Rat Race. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, I knew that's it a was good pick, be, too. It was going to go early. Good pick. Um, uh, let's see. For my second, I'm going to go with Tommy Boy. More in tone than... I guess it's a road trip movie, yeah, too. Yeah, it's another road trip. Um, kind of a race in good time, in a way. I mean, you know, they got to make that sale by a certain amount of time. and You could say that Dan Aykroyd kind of, tra- you know, is kind of the Dennis Farina. For sure. Jeff, second pick. Um, my next pick, <laughs> at the risk of having an entire episode without talking about Michael Mann... 
is uh, Michael Mann's Thief. Ooh. Um, which has uh, Farina as a henchman, so it does connect. Um, but it's also about like the Chicago mob trying to control a criminal um, and get the money for themselves. Uh, Thief is such a good movie. We have talked about it on like yeah. eight different episodes, so I, I won't mean, rehash it here. We fulfilled but... our contractual obligation to talk about a Michael Mann movie. Uh, my second pick is going to be What About Bob? Oh, Bill Murray and okay. Richard Dreyfus, because that relationship, I feel like, captures some of the same energy between De Niro and uh, Grodin. And Riley, final That's pick, start us off. Hmm, man, I'm not sure where to go on this one. Um, ah, but it needs more of a comedy. I'm going to go Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, fuck oh, you. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. That's also got um, John Ashton, the other bounty hunter, in it as well. Oh, okay. Jeff, final pick. Man. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, have you guys seen Sneakers? I have not. 1992. That's... Uh, Robert Redford, uh, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, City Poitier, um, Ben Kingsley, James Earl Jones. I'm Ooh, pulling up cool. that. Um, it's basically like a, a crew. It's like a heist crew. Ah, uh, so um, I you've seen it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. It is in my heist list that you're welcome to check out at any point. Heists and capers, basically. Um, but yeah, that one's, that one's good. It's very light in tone. It's... Uh, late 80s early 90s movie that feels very much at home with this type of movie fantastic and then with my final pick i am going to take almost feels like cheating uh i'm gonna go with snatch oh all right you know, another dennis farina appearance as well i have a uh can i throw in an honorable mention absolutely throw it in the great muppet caper Ooh. man we we should do a whole thing of just muppet movies we could do. I was looking at other buddy cop crime movies. Have you heard about, or crime comedies, have you heard about K911? Mm-mm. Can't say I have. It's, um, it's, that's right, our boy that has that gas, according to Twitter, Jim Belushi, with a German <laughs> shepherd as his, it's Turner and Hooch with a German shepherd and Jim Belushi. Got it. I have to check that out. All right, so let's rate this guy and then get out of here. Jeff, why don't you start us off? So for me, this movie is an eight. Uh, on the five scale, it's a four out of five. On That's what I put it on Letterboxd. I really like this movie. I think it's super solid. Um, I think it is a great Saturday watch. Like, it's the kind of movie that you could throw on. If you miss a little bit, they're still going to be on the run. You know what yeah, I mean? This is a good team um, movie. Yeah, perfect, perfect cable movie to catch a little bit of two beers in still... the afternoon while you take a nap on the couch like yes yes it is both fun appointment viewing and a great background movie which is a, a good movie in my book absolutely and i'm going to just follow up with you here uh and give it an eight because once i got through those initial tonal issues i really like i was along for the ride and something i think like this that it drags in a couple spots and has some scenes that don't quite work but also it has a formula it does the formula as best as it could possibly be done and so i think that tops out like perfectly at an eight 
Riley, and it's an eight and a half for me. Yeah. Oh, nice. That half yeah. point. Yeah, I really, I you really. You think you're better it. than me? <laughs> that half point's just for Danny Elfman. <laughs> yeah, it's the Spider-Man ties. I had to go. That's fair. Get the half point. All right. Well, this has been a super fun episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next time.